0: Welcome back to QAV episode 529 recording this the 26th of uh, July 2022 How's things in Sydney Tony Are you underwater today
1: No we're we're sunnier today it's good We've had 3 days of sunshine Oh it's nice yeah, there's a few grey clouds around, but I'll I'll take that over a, a deluge of rain. So otherwise, it's been good.
0: What else has been new with you this week?
1: Uh, not a whole lot. I got a COVID booster on last week, and then I had a couple of quiet days after that. My arm swelled up, but I was generally okay. I was pretty okay. But uh, we're supposed to go to the Archibald to see the Archibald Portraits before it shuts, but um, was just too unwell to go. So we're going in two days' time. We'll go along and see the portraits before the museum shuts down the exhibit? Ah, uh, my portrait's
0: still not in the Archibald this year, <laughs> I tell you. <ya. laughs> why, why, why do you find that amusing? How long ago was that painted? Ah, uh, five or six, seven years ago. I don't know.
1: Seven. And you can't resubmit it, can you? I don't know. I don't know what the rules are. Well, first of all, is it meant to be somebody of uh, public profile, isn't it? A public note?
0: Yeah, in the media.
1: Oh, not just the media.
0: You know, film director. Uh, you know, uh, something something was on the front cover of the Bulletin twenty years ago. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> no? no, not enough. Okay. Well, we're going to start with a, a sad note, I guess, this week. We want to give an RIP for Melbourne uh, QAV member, subscriber, uh, QAV club member, Darren Lunny passed away at the end of June. We were advised yesterday. Photographer, former chief of staff and head of Channel 9's Specialist Investigation Unit, passed away of pancreatic cancer, I believe, 55, so our thoughts go out to his wife Mel and their children, family and friends, of course, everyone in QAV Melbourne who knew Darren. I only met him the once, I think, at dinner we had down there in May last year. And I I looked up the emails and he said, oh, I'm going to be running late. Uh, I've got to have a CT scan and uh, they have to inject me with some stuff that makes my eyes go puffy and I don't know if I'll be able to drive. But then he was fine and he turned up and we did talk a little bit about his health issues then. I don't think it was as serious as it became in the course of the following years. So that's always sad when we lose one of our members. So uh, yeah, shout out to Darren's friends and family and hope you're all doing okay. Yeah, very very much so.
1: Echo those sentiments and remarks, Cam. Thank you. I just wanted to add to that too, and I don't know Darren's situation or his wife's or his family's situation, but it's certainly a reminder to me to make sure that things are set up. Just review what I've got set up so that if something happens to me, Jenny can pick it up or Alex can pick it up. So check the password vaults, check the documentation on where things are, make a list of who to trust, who to ask for, for advice um, and help. How to access things, you know, like the Ord website where our portfolio is documented. Document a plan. Um, I don't know, again, what Darren's wishes were, but maybe someone in the family wants to continue with um, investing themselves in some particular way. Maybe not the way Darren was doing with QAV, but there are, of course, other ways. Otherwise, I'll probably have to decide what to do with the shares because um, our process is fairly actively managed. We can't just uh, let it go to, to or to be ignored. It, could go well or it could um, wither and die so yeah I'm hoping that Darren did take the time to outline what his his plans were you know I've always said to, to Jenny to take the the money and put it into a, a large listed investment company like aFI but even that's not straightforward cam I was reading in the Fin review today because aFI are just sort of releasing their um, I don't think it's their annual results but but certainly their um, unaudited figures and they're trading at a a 20% premium to their underlying assets, so it may not be the right time to put money into a lick like AFI. So the and also too, I know that um, if you put AFI into the bread later, it's a sell at the moment. So you know, I think I'll probably have to review what I've written down for Jenny and just tell her to take go through a couple of steps first before she does something like that. If uh, if I go tits up, and there's other other things to take into account like the capital gains tax position of whatever Darren had invested and what the superannuation situation is. So I, I don't know if the Darren's uh, family are listening, but they sh- it should take this as a, when things settle down anyway, take this as a chance to seek professional advice on those kinds of issues and what to do. And you know, thing think with LICs, which uh, I know has happened to some of the larger ones, it doesn't tend to. AFI, I can't think of a case where it has during my lifetime, but there is corporate activity which can happen. So they're not always just set and forget. And the same with um, superannuation funds and managed funds, all those kinds of things from time to time, they will have reason to raise new funds, you know, put out a, a rights issue. There'll be a, a merger and acquisition that might take place between two large listed investment companies or between superannuation funds, for example. So decisions may need to get made along the investing lifetime of the person who takes over the fund. So it's not always just set and forget. So again, it causes me to review and just say, well, let me try and map out what to do and all the contingencies I can think of that might take place after I go. Yeah. So um, I echo your thoughts, and it's sad to hear of, of Darren's passing, and, and I hope his family is okay and that that he has taken the time to work out with them what needs to be done.
0: Yeah, um, it was suggested by one of our QAV Melbourne members who uh, you know uh, advised me of Darren's passing that maybe one of us, somebody from Melbourne or or myself, should um, try and reach out to his widow, Mel, and just I don't know, not only offer our condolences but um, say, listen, if you have any questions uh, about what to do, you know, we can't give financial advice, but you know, we can. Point you to someone who can, or you know, here are the things that we you you might want to think about that you should talk to a professional about, etc., cetera, etc.
1: Cetera. Yeah, sure, that's a good idea. I think.
0: All right. Well, moving right along, gold became a sell uh, since our show last week.
1: Yeah, and and I've been watching it every day because it's it's just dropped below its sell price, and then it's it hasn't gone above it again. So I have been selling my gold stocks, but it's it kind of cross the sell line started to edge up and then go sideways. And it's been hovering around just below its sell price. So I am watching it. And I can't get out of my gold stocks all at once. So it's taken me a couple of days to to sell them off and, and buy other things. So I've had that ability to watch the gold price. Well, I finished up doing with the gold price because sometimes the chart, but just drawing a line on the chart wasn't all that accurate. But I used I went back to the very old three-point trend line calculator, the pre bread later one, which allows you to put in an L1, L2, the dates, the stock price for L1, L2, and it tells you the sell price. And I worked that out for gold and then um, have been checking that. Uh, And the gold price is is below that by a couple of hundred bucks. So just watching it, it may cross above it again, but um, I am selling my gold stocks and buying other things like Macquarie Bank, JB Hi-Fi, and National Australia Bank are all down. I was buying Woodside, but it's, it's gone a bit below its um, second buy line, so I'm just paused on that. As you know, I've been kind of hanging on to gold for as long as I can because economically, if interest rates are rising, if inflation persists, uh, if we go into a recession, it's usual that the gold price takes off, but um, that isn't happening and rules are rules, so I'm selling.
0: And it was very convenient for a certain QAV club member who will remain nameless who called me before we decided it was a guy and he said, Mate, I just I screwed up. I just bought PRU and it hasn't crossed the second byline. What should I do? Should I hold it? Should I sell it? And I said, uh, well, let's have a look at the gold price. I think you've got an out. I think you can say, I've got to sell it because gold's become a sell. So I think he did. He uh, he got a get-out-of-jail-free card there. He didn't have to make a hard decision about whether to sit or buy Yeah, right. I did say, though, I thought that if it was you, you'd say, listen, if you've bought it and it's going in the right direction, it was going up, probably just wear it and hold on to it if it turns around get
1: out. Yeah, I probably would have, but it's different if the gold price is a sell, the underlying commodity is a sell, I think.
0: So that was very convenient for uh, said person whose name I will not reveal because I don't want to embarrass him too much. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Iron ore, not a sell, but close to the fudge line. Now, it depends what chart you look at. If you look at the stock doctor, 62% CIO China futures, it's uh, not quite a sell. The one I normally look at, though, which is uh, I don't know on some other website, Trading View or something like that, it does look like a sell. But I think that's the
1: physical, not the futures. I tend to look at the physical, but I must admit I use the Stock Doctor, which in this case, yeah. So it's called Iron ore sixty two percent Fe CFR China TSI brackets TSI, which I think is a code T R hash. I think that's actually an actual as well, but it might be a, a different grade or something like that to what you're using.
0: Doesn't it appear under the futures section of Stock Doctor though?
1: No, uh, it's under the commodities section of Stock Doctor. There is another two, which are futures second and futures third, Hash TR-2 and TR-3. Hash Yeah, but regardless, that's the one I've been using. Sounds like we're not too dissimilar. No,
0: not too dissimilar, but uh, one's a sell and one's not quite a sell. So if I go into Stock Doctor and Advanced Charting, I go into Folders. Oh, there we go. Okay, so under Commodities.
1: <laughs> no, it's it's not. Oh, it is, sorry, TR Hash. Yeah, that's interesting because I've come into it from a different way. I've come into it from the front screen, the home screen, where it's got the iron ore price and you click on Advanced and it takes you to this one.
0: Oh, okay, right. Well, I think it's a future... So, maybe the difference between that and the one that I normally use is future versus physical. So, which is the best one for us to use when we're trying to determine if it's a sell?
1: Well, I use physical, well, but I should use physical. I thought I was using physical.
0: Let's get physical,
1: <laughs> physical. Do you have your link to the physical graph there? What's it called?
0: TradingEconomics.com slash commodity slash iron ore.
1: So, we're in US dollars here, aren't we? US dollars per ton. So I've got a price of a dollar four on the graph. Is that what you're seeing? One hundred and four. Sorry, one hundred and four.
0: Yeah. Versus Stock Doctor, which says for this future one, TR Hash one hundred and five. So there's not a lot
1: between them, as you're saying. Yeah, no. Can I might have to take it offline and have a look at it further. It's all right. Happy to use the physical. I thought I was using the physical in Stock Doctor, but that's fine. I'll have a look. Look, I think um, the iron ore price has been declining, so I've always felt like it's it's not very far away from a sell anyway especially with all the things that are going on in China with the COVID lockdowns and now with the property market teetering on the edge. And it's really interesting to watch. I mean, the, the stories about the Chinese people who are refusing to pay their mortgages because their apartments haven't been finished, which is also creating cracks in the banking system over there. It's very interesting. All right, but I'll check out Trading Economics for Iron Ore.
0: Okay. Interesting article in the Financial Review about a week ago by Jonathan Shapiro, how pump and dumpers duped penny stock investors. The corporate regulator said that more than 80% of share market traders who took part in organized social media pump and dump schemes realized a financial loss or zero benefit and collectively burn about $6.3 million a month chasing overhyped stocks. In an extensive report into the pump-and-dump activities of microcap securities released late this week, the Australian Securities and Investments Commission said it was able to quickly intervene and disrupt misconduct in the smaller end of the market after identifying suspicious behaviour. ASIC took the unprecedented step of posting on Telegram chat rooms to alert users they were being watched and possibly breaking the law, an intervention that it says has put the brakes on potential market manipulation." It said smaller investors who were lured into penny stocks through social media campaigns generally lost money from day trading highly volatile and illiquid shares that were only traded amongst themselves. Oh my God! Yeah. Now listen, we've we've talked a lot about this over the years, pumps and dumps. Around March of 2021, ASIC estimated that around 22 pump and dump schemes a day were Being operated involving stocks with market capitalization below 60 million dollars. You know, I'm sure this happens all the time, just with uh,
1: you know, people taking advantage of uh, amateurs and people that are greedy. Well, yeah, I mean, I, <laughs> my first thought was is ASIC going into hot copper <laughs> and uh, monitoring all the posts there? They probably are, they no, possibly are, yeah, probably. I imagine so. Yeah, but, I mean, it's different versions of the same story. I mean, this story is stories as old as time. I mean, many years ago, it used to be uh, gold prospectors with a vial of gold in their back pocket who'd pour it over the pan before it would get the results assayed and look really good and everyone's saying, wow, this is fantastic. It's going to be the biggest gold deposit in Australia. And, of course, all the old hands were saying, yeah, it doesn't make sense that there's a big gold mine outside of Sydney. <laughs> 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 But, of course, there's not enough people get caught up in the in the moment to boost the shares and then lose their, their shirts.
0: I think it's in the first or second episode of Deadwood where uh, Al McGarrett's husband, some rich New Yorker, who has gone out west to be adventurous and make it rich and Al is uh, sort of working with a couple of cutouts to... Con this uh, dumb rich guy from the big city into buying a you know a plot a gold plot which is completely useless, but he's got um, E. B. Farnham lined up to sort of act as the other buyer who's putting pushing the price up and you know playing him off against this guy deliberately to get create a sense of urgency and to push the price up. And yeah, it's just you know fresh meat, right? Fresh meat comes to town, wants to get rich, and the old timers is just uh, rape and pillage.
1: It's the old story, isn't it? I mean, and it's, it's not just here too. It was the the classic ones we talked about in America, the meme stock to the moon shares for, I think it was called GameStop, the stock that they were pushing. And that.
0: Yeah, GameStop and AMC, yeah, GME. I went into a GameStop just to see if I could buy some diamond hands, but <laughs> they didn't, they weren't selling them.
1: You didn't ask for any stock tips while you were in there, did you? No, I
0: didn't. <laughs> It was a bunch of fat nerds talking about <laughs> fat nerdy shit. Uh,
1: you should have taken a video and posted it for all the millennials to see before they <laughs> bought any more shares in GameStop.
0: Yeah, but look, I think you know it gets back to the psychology of investing that we talk about a lot. There is definitely a sense of FOMO that we saw with you know, lots of punters during the last ball run. If it's not day trading or tech stocks or it's crypto, all that kind of stuff, people just get sucked into the uh, stories about, oh, you can make 100% on your money very quickly or 1,000% or whatever it is. And uh, my hairdresser's son knows a guy who, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Yeah, so luckily enough, we've been around long enough to know all the ways the behavioral psychology or we probably don't know all the ways. Shouldn't be so assuming, but we know a lot of the ways that um, behavioural psychology can work against us, and we're on the lookout for it. But uh, I mean, apart from the fact that young males do have different wiring to older type males and are more risk risk taking than we are. Particularly young males get carried up in in the momentum of things, yeah, and don't don't know that it's very uh, it's risky if you're taking stock market tips from the Uber driver and not from someone who's podcaster. a stock an investor. Yeah, take it from a yeah. podcaster. What do you you know so much about? The tricks
0: of human psychology that it took me years to figure out how to trick you into doing this podcast. Like I had
1: to, a few cutouts, and then yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're my twins, my twins right. were the cutouts, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got it right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, let's talk about well, and but I wanted to finish that segment by saying those times will come again, obviously, and. Oh. All the time. It will come back and those sorts of uh, you know, like ridiculously high returns that you can get if you just listen to my quick three tips kind of thing. I don't really know how we're different from that apart from we tell people don't listen to us, do your own yeah. work, <laughs> follow the process, don't listen. know, yeah, we might be wrong. Don't listen to anything that we say, <laughs> do your own work, do your own research.
1: Yeah, apart from the fact that it's a podcast, right? You could be listening to it in six months' time. So what we're saying is going to be out of date as well as irrelevant to to what you need at that time. So yeah, do your own research. We're teaching you how to do your own research. That's what we're trying to do. And look, if if you don't think the system that we're teaching is
0: makes sense to you, come up with your own system. Correct. M- modify it, change it if you want. I mean, you know, we're just saying that here is a system that has worked.
1: Yeah, and I think equally as important as as following a system slavishly is understand the underlying principles. I saw a quote just the other day which said if you can't put the thing down in numbers, it's opinion, it's not fact. So it's the underlying principles of what we do. We take the numbers, we crunch them, we spit out a list, we apply a couple of filters and we decide that's okay to buy based on past performance and statistics. It's that's we're not listening to CEOs spin their stories, we're not listening to meme stock crypto pushes and all that kind of stuff. We've got a process. Take that framework on board. And if you need to modify it, modify it for yourself. But um, it's the framework that's important.
0: And the framework very simply is look for the businesses that are performing better than the other businesses and that you can buy at a discount to what their valuation might be on a share basis and your chances of them doing better are probably higher than the other companies it's it's not like not overly complicated all the all the numbers in the spreadsheets are just a way to work out which businesses are doing better and valued at a discount
1: correct yeah and it's directional right like like we said before it's um, you're better off buying from the top of the buy list but you don't do badly if you buy from the bottom so it's um, you can make too fine a point of it, but it's really, the system's really about the underlying framework rather than the actual mechanics of what the numbers that are sped out.
0: But I'm sure a year from now or 18 months from now, we'll have people saying to us,
1: It is different every time. It's always <laughs> different, Tony. It's never the same. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, you can sort of almost spot them. I mean, wasn't long ago people were asking me, should they buy into lithium stocks, lithium mines? And I used to say, yeah, about two years ago, <laughs> by the time it reaches your ears, it's it's been through every other wallet in, uh, in the investment community first. So, so it's always something.
0: Well, one of the stocks that appears on our buy list fairly regularly is Beach Energy, as they are now. It used to be Beach Petroleum, BPT, now called Beach Energy. They came out with some uh, results. Uh, Just in the last week or so. uh, This is from Share Cafe. The Kerry Stokes dominated Beach Energy yesterday revealed its best quarterly earnings off the back of the surge in global oil and gas prices since the invasion of Ukraine in late February and the harsh sanctions being applied by the West to Russia and many of its exports and finances la dee da da Beach said revenues during the June quarter of 2022 totaled $504 million, up 10% on the $458 million the oil and gas company reported in the third quarter of 2021-22. So what do you think about Beach's results, TK?
1: Yeah, well, they're just the quarterly numbers. So don't forget we're in confession season, so they're obliged to come out with their, I think actually resource companies and mining companies are obliged to come out every quarter with their um, top-line numbers anyway. So we'll still have to wait and see what the actual numbers as they hit Stock Doctor are next month. But we're not too far away from that. But yeah, it's it's uh, Beach Energy is doing, doing really well. I hold it. It's been good. I read recently that the sneaky Russians are thinking of constricting the pipeline to Germany even more. So uh, they, they shut it off for maintenance, then they opened it up to 40%. Then they found another problem, and they're now shutting it down to 20% again for more maintenance. So it's, it's just Putin playing games with you. EU economy. But uh, unfortunately for Germany, it's going to keep the gas prices up, which will benefit Beach. So uh, it'd be great if the world was a happy place. I can't see it getting there in the near future. So I suspect Beach will continue to, to perform well.
0: Well, I don't know if he is playing games. I mean, the story is that they have turbines that need maintenance and they, usually, they sent one to Canada, I think, for maintenance, but the Can- Canadians can't send it back to them now. Because of the sanctions, <laughs> you think they
1: would have checked that first, hey? It's like uh, we're going to send you a, <laughs> going to send you a critical part of our infrastructure to fix for us. Oh yeah, sure. Hey, hey, how are you? <laughs> oh yeah, send it over. <laughs> they might have sent it to them before <laughs> the
0: sanctions regime, before the invasion. I don't know, but uh, um, I don't know. yeah. But I mean, these things, you know, this is this is the side effects of the sanctions, right? Um, whether it's deliberate on behalf of Russia or not. You know these sanctions are going to have massive consequences. Already are and are going to continue to have. But uh, Beach's share price is uh, not doing too badly. Like it peaked a, a week or so ago at a buck eighty six. It's back down to a dollar seventy nine now. So it's has spiked again in the last couple of days. I think since this news came out. But it's you know it's not exactly skyrocketing either.
1: It's up four percent today. Well that's good. What'd you say the price was? I'm getting a dollar seventy nine.
0: Yeah, buck seventy nine today, but it was a buck eighty two last week and it was a buck eighty eight back in June. So it's crawling back
1: up there. Yep, yeah, we'll see. It's um I certainly can't predict share prices and I can't predict geopolitical events, but I would think, given the way things are, that Beach will continue to perform well. Anyway, I wait their numbers in stock doctor next month. Well, I'll tell
0: you who else can't predict things. That's Warren Buffett. There's a story in Business Insider I read this week. Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway has ploughed nearly $10 billion into Occidental Petroleum stock over the course of just 29 trading days this year. The famed investors conglomerate has amassed 182 million Occidental shares so far, giving it a nearly 20% stake in the oil and gas company. He goes on to say, we bought it in two weeks or thereabouts, 14% of Occidental Petroleum. I find it just incredible, Buffett said. The 91-year-old investor emphasised how absurd it would be to attempt to buy 14% of the nation's farms, apartments, auto dealerships or anything else in just two weeks. Moreover, he noted that around 40% of Occidental's outstanding shares were held by index funds that weren't actively selling in the period. Making Berkshire's rapid accumulation of shares even more extraordinary, Buffett attributed Occidental's huge trading volumes to an unprecedented number of people treating the stock market like a casino and shares of America's largest companies like poker chips. It defies anything that Charlie and
1: I have ever seen, and we've seen a lot, he said. What do you think about all that? It's pretty hard to argue against the guru, isn't it, really? So I think what he's saying through all that is that he could buy a lot of shares in Occidental because there are lots of retail investors prepared to sell them to him. And then I guess in a kind of roundabout way, he's saying, I'm a really successful investor, perhaps the best successful investor of all time and you guys want to sell to me? (laughs) 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 Yeah, you might be treating this like a casino, but the point he's making is there was a lot of money in the share market and yeah, retail investors are trading in, trading out a lot.
0: Like the casino aspect of it, in the years that we've been doing this, it's the thing that, I guess, uh, comes back to me over and over when I talk to people outside of QAV. You know, I have a conversation with people in the street, men of the street, and they say, what do you do? And I say, blah, 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 de blah. Oh, and, and, you know, we have an investing podcast and we get talking about investing. The sort of things that people usually talk about, which are tech stocks and crypto, etc., etc. It's really like it's a gambling casino mindset out there. Most amateurs that you talk to about investing, it's very much a casino mindset. And, you know, the first thing that you taught me, I think, when we started doing the show, certainly one of the first things that really sunk in was the difference between an investing mindset and a gambling mindset. And I think that's just a really fundamental starting point for anyone looking at investing in the stock market is to understand the difference between an investing mindset and a gambling mindset.
1: Yeah, look, absolutely. And, and I've always told people who've come to me for financial advice that I can make them richer than they are. I just can't do it overnight. And that's the number one thing that people have to come to terms with. Because I, for a long time, I would get people contacting me saying, hey, I've just got this extra $5,000. What should I do with it? And I was like, well... You can buy one share, and it may or may not work, and I've got a 60-40 hit rate, so that's the odds. But that's like going to Flemington and putting it on the favorite in the last race. It's like that's a different mindset to saying, I've got this much money to commit for the rest of my life. This is how I'm going to do it. This is my system for doing it. I'm not just asking people for tips. Yeah, they're very different mindsets.
0: And, you know, when I used to run a marketing strategy business, one of the things I would say to clients, new clients all the time, when I'd ask them what their business strategy was and they would, like, mumble something under their breath. (laughs) Because they didn't have one. Like nearly every business owner I ever worked with didn't have a strategy for their business. It was like, oh, well, you know, we just people call us and we sell them stuff and that's kind (laughs) of it, right? And hoping things would be better this year than they were last year. Like I used to say all the time, hope is not a strategy. And it's the same with investing. Like just hoping that there'll be a bigger fool than you down the track that'll pay more for something than you pay for it is not a strategy. You might be lucky, but apparently, according to ASIC with the pump and dumps that people follow, 80% of people lost money on them. Good luck to the other 20% that didn't. I don't know what they did differently to the 80%. Well,
1: you know what they do? They Again, that's just statistics, but the problem is those 20% will go and crow about how good they are at investing, and the other 80% will go, well, next time, I'll, I'll know. That, well, I'll do it again, not to make those mistakes, but That, that 20% have
0: already got a podcast out. <laughs> they're, they're already on TikTok,
1: How I Got TikTok, Rich. Yeah, they're, they're, they're here on, what's it called? TikTok. Fintok? Fintok, Fin-tok.
0: yeah. <laughs> uh, here's a story from the ABC I read this week. Profits, not war or weather, may be driving inflation and price hikes- as more Aussies report financial pain. Did you read this story? I did, yeah. So basically for everyone out there, what uh, the Australia Institute, I think it was, that did this study, says that they've crunched the numbers and most of the inflation that we're seeing isn't being driven by higher supply side prices or interest rates or anything like that. It's mostly just by businesses taking advantage of the fact that Prices are going up, so they're pushing their margins up as much as they think they can get away with, uh, which is driving inflation even higher than it would be otherwise.
1: Was it most of it or a good portion of it? I can't recall the article.
0: It says uh, behind much of the inflation. Profits are behind much of it, so I don't know if that's most or just a big chunk.
1: Yeah, it's hard to comment without seeing some solid data underneath it. But yeah, of course, businesses are trying to push their prices up. That's what they're in business to do. And that may sound sinister, and in some respects it is, because some people are trying to uh, use any excuse to put their prices up. But I was thinking about it again a bit more after reading that article. And, and it's also, I think, a bit of risk management. Like if inflation's, if I'm putting an order in, if I'm in business, I'm putting an order in, if I'm the coffee shop manager, right? and my coffee bean price is going up every time I put an order in, I may try and rise prices a little bit more than that to cover the next order because it's going to be more expensive. So there could be a little bit of risk management going on too. But yeah, it doesn't surprise me at all that as prices rise, people try and put their prices up even more for whatever reason. And the banks are the classic example. We've spoken about those in depth, right? Interest rates are rising. They're not going to rise the deposit interest rates as fast as they're going to rise the mortgage interest rates, which means their margins are widening. So yeah, that's definitely part of the the cause, uh, driver of inflation that's going on for sure.
0: And that's the end of the free episode of QAV for this week. If you're a new listener, I just should let you know how this works. So we have a free episode every week, runs for about half an hour. We have a premium episode also every week. It goes for another 30 to 60 minutes, depending on how many questions we get. It's where tony answers questions from our club members if you want to check out the premium episodes and all the other benefits of being a qav club member which is access to the checklist and and the bible and uh, the private facebook groups and the other comms channels that we have invites to the dinners zoom calls etc etc just sign up for the two-week free trial and check out all that stuff out you can do that at qavpodcast.com.au look for the um, free trial button there and if you uh, like the idea of value investing QAV style but don't feel like you have the time or resources to uh, you know learn how to do QAV for yourself think about signing up for QAV Lite that's our relatively new service where we send you the stock tips every week And then we also monitor those stocks in a portfolio, and if they become a sell, we email our QAV Lite members and tell them that it's time to sell that stock and what to replace it with. Check that out too. Um, It's sort of a low-effort way of doing QAV. Still better if you know how to do it yourself, I think, because Tony could get hit by a bus, and then where are you? But, you know, while he's not, (laughs) we can do this. So check that out, qavpodcast.com.au slash light l-i-g-h-t that's it um, if you don't want to sign up to eat any of those just keep listening to the free episodes and if you have any questions uh, shoot me an email you'll find that on our website too all right have a great week and good luck with your investing The QAV podcast is a production of Spacecraft Publishing Proprietary Limited, authorised representative of AFSL 520442, AFS representative number 001292718. Please don't make any investment decisions based solely on listening to this podcast. This is presented as general advice only, not personal financial advice. We don't know your personal financial circumstances. Please see a financial planner before making any investing decisions.